Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to show me that sometimes the only way you can come out of one of these deals alive is to ask a guy to shoot you. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, you ever hear of Yin Yi Hop? Sounds like a new jump tune, is it? That name first came to our attention during the court-martial of an American army officer in the Philippines shortly after the war, Major Vance Morgan. Oh, yeah, he had something to do with the disappearance of medical supplies, arms and ammunition from one of our bases there, didn't he? Evidence brought out at the trial was all against Morgan, yet he insisted he was innocent. He claimed he'd been investigating the matter before his arrest, that the theft was the work of a, an organization headed by this Yin Yi Hop. I see. Morgan claimed further that he'd actually seen this Mr. Hop, that he wasn't an Oriental, but an American. You see, the matter wasn't dropped after Major Morgan was discharged from the service. You mean this Yin Yi Hop has been found? We think so. We think he's a man named Sutherland who is now living in Rangoon. We're pretty sure he's still active in the business of running guns. Why don't we grab him? We will, as soon as we find someone who can identify him as Yin Yi Hop. And that someone is ex-Major Morgan, huh? Where is he? We got our first lead on him yesterday from an old friend of his in New Guinea, an ex-army flyer named Foster. Check with him, Steve, and move fast. We've got a tip that someone else is looking for Morgan. Oh, Sutherland, maybe, huh? Yes, yeah, Steve, you've got to get to Morgan before they do. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. In a moment, we'll bring you tonight's Dangerous Assignment adventure, but first, let me remind you about some of tomorrow's great shows on the NBC radio network. Thursday brings Western songs and adventure with Roy Rogers, Dale Evans, and all the folks at the friendly Double R Bar Ranch in Paradise Valley. And for the whole family's comedy entertainment, there's Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young. Another fine Thursday evening treat is Truth or Consequences, America's favorite party game, presided over by Ralph Edwards. We know you'll enjoy these three fine programs tomorrow and every Thursday evening, so be sure to be in our audience for the Roy Rogers Show, Father Knows Best, and Truth or Consequences tomorrow. Check your local paper for the time of broadcast. Sure, 
Sure, I've got my assignment. Get on the trail of an ex-army major named Vance Morgan. Find him before some hatchet man out of Rangoon does and eliminates the prize witness in our case against an American gunrunner formerly known as Yin Yi Hop. It's late Wednesday afternoon when my plane lands at Minoka on the northwest tip of Netherlands, New Guinea. I head across the airstrip to a small hangar bearing a sign, East India Freight Company, Nicholas Foster, president. Inside, sitting in a two-before office, I find Nicholas Foster himself. I flash my credentials. Tell me, Steve, what's all this to do about Morgan? Nothing. We'd just like his help. His help? Fat chance. Meaning that he might not be so eager to cooperate? Meaning that the court-martial was a big jolt. Well, we can clear him if you'll play ball. I'll do anything I can to help. Where is he? Can't say. I thought you saw him a couple of days ago. Yeah, I was down at the docks checking on a cargo coming in from Manila when I spotted Morgan aboard a small ship, one of those copra traders. He was just pulling out. I nosed around the waterfront, but no one seemed to know much about him, except he had a plantation on one of the islands off the coast. That ship he was on? Called the Codona. Should be back in port now. Sounds like my best lead. So you find out what islands Morgan's on. And your troubles are just beginning. What do you mean? Oh, just that there's a small-scale war going on. Guerrillas? Separationalists, they call them. Their beef is with the Indonesian government. Those islands out there are crawling with the natives, armed with poison arrows. And they don't like strangers. Poison arrows yet a real comforting thought. Well, thanks for the info, Foster. I'll see you later. Later, I wind up at the docks, and sure enough, there's a small copra trader tied up. The only one on board is a native youngster, and he doesn't tune in on my frequency at all, even when I resort to sign language. He keeps grinning and pointing over the rail, so I have a look. I spot someone swimming underwater, gliding back and forth along the side of the ship. Then the swimmer comes up for air. I come up for a little air, too, when I see who it is. And she's up on deck, coming toward me, right out of Esquire. Hello. Hello. Hey, you're quite a swimmer. You are looking for someone? Yeah, the skipper of this ship. I am the skipper. You? What is it you wish? I'm looking for a man named Morgan. Maybe you could take me to him. No, that would be impossible at this time. My ship is in need of repairs. The hull has been damaged. Running the blockade? Blockade? I do not know what you mean. Look, you can stop being cagey. I'm just interested in finding Morgan. Here, you better have a look at my credentials. American agent. I see. He's in trouble? No, just want to talk to him. Where is he? There's an island called Ipo. He lives there alone at a small plantation. Perhaps I could get a message to Morgan. Well, that would save me a lot of time and trouble. Tell him who I am and that I've got to talk to him. We need his help. Where are you staying? Well, I noticed a hotel a few blocks back there, as good as any. I know the one you speak of. You can expect me by sundown. spend the rest of the afternoon scouting the dock area just in case the girl's message doesn't reach Morgan. Fine luck is all bad. I can't find a single skipper who's willing to run the blockade, let alone face a hail of poisoned arrows. The setting sun hangs over the horizon like a big orange as I wander back to the hotel. The girl is already there, waiting for me in the lobby. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. Or are you early? Your message was delivered, Mr. Mitchell. Good. What's Morgan's answer? Well, I don't quite understand, but... What did he say? Two words, Mr. Mitchell. Drop dead. She gives me a nice deadpan reading. Without cracking a smile, she turns and walks out. Well, that's it. 
If Morgan won't come to me, I've got to go to him, blockade or no blockade. I hurry over to Foster's office at the airport. He's not around. I finally find him in a broken-down gin mill near the waterfront. <laughs> I don't know, no soap, Steve. So I fly over the island in my plane. So the Indonesians don't like this, and they beef to the Dutch. The Dutch beef to me. I'm in Dutch. I can square it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you could. So? Well, there's something else wrong with the idea. So you parachute out of my plane. The natives let fly with their arrows. You look like a pin cushion before you hit the ground. Well, you can drop me off the island and I swim ashore. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that, I suppose. Sure. Okay, then. Well, except for one teensy little thing. Now what? The East India Air Freight Line, of which I am president, happens to have only one plane and one pilot. And at this moment, both of them are in Singapore. Ah, 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 don't say it. So I don't say it. I just think it. I wander back outside and then down along the docks. Suddenly I spot a ship tied up that I didn't see there this afternoon. It's a small Dutch patrol boat. I head for the office of the port director. I fill him in on the situation while he shifts a cigar from one side of his mouth to the other. Finally, he grinds it out in an ashtray. We will, of course, be most eager to cooperate with you in this matter, Herr Mitchell. However, we must first consult with the Indonesian authorities. Sure. It's their island and their blockade. I see no reason why they should deny us permission to enter their waters. There will undoubtedly be lookouts on Ipo. So the problem will be how can we get you ashore without being seen? That might take a bit of doing. Mm. Tell me, do you swim? Yeah. Good. You may have to before the night is over. We pour over the map, talk over the strategy, and then he puts in a long-distance call to Batavia. The Indonesian government gives us the green light, and my friend, the port director, says he'll take it from there. So there's nothing else for me to do but go back to the hotel and wait for word that the patrol boat is ready to shove off. It's almost 11 that night when there's a rap on my door. The gent standing there holds an automatic in his hand that doesn't take a genius to figure out real fast that he's not from the Dutch patrol. Well, Mitchell? I don't think we've ever met, have we? You've heard of me, I'm sure. Allow me to try a guess. Sutherland? Good. Good for you, Mitchell. All right, inside. Move. Hmm. All packed, ready to go. Planning a little trip? Maybe. Of course. Board the Dutch patrol ship. I'll trouble you for your identification. Your credentials, Mitchell. Hand them over. Why, Sutherland? I'll need them when Lieutenant Berndahl arrives to pick you up. You intend to take my place, huh? It won't work, Buster. Why not? Because I happen to know Lieutenant Berndahl. Berndahl? Did I say Berndahl? Hmm? Oh, I wonder who he is. I really met Lieutenant Vandegraaff. <laughs> Sorry, Mitchell. Okay, Sutherland. Pick up the marbles. And your papers, Mitchell. Quick. What's the hurry? Turn around. Turn around. Okay, okay, but what... Oh! The gun butt behind my ear knocks me to the floor real fast. I try to get up, but my arms have suddenly turned to jelly. It's no go. I can feel Sutherland's hands giving me a fast frisk. I can also hear someone coming up the stairs down the corridor, and I know it's someone from the patrol boat. I make one more try to get my feet, but Sutherland slams a heel on the And like they say, everything goes black.
Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. You would be a poor businessman to invest money without determining what your dividend would be, so I'd like to tell you what return you'll receive on your investment in your community chest. Normally, about 40% of 100 families receive directly services of some kind from one or more red feather agencies during the year. Such services include aid to the handicapped, to orphan children, to the aged, and to the sick and needy. All families benefit indirectly because these services work to make your community a healthier, happier, better place in which to live. This year, it's a bigger red feather because the United Red Feather campaigns must raise $17 million extra to provide for the United Defense Fund services, which include 257 USO clubs, USO camps, American Relief for Korea, and many others. So when you make your contribution, give enough to cover normal needs plus an extra amount for the added services made necessary by this defense emergency. Remember, it's a bigger red feather this year. Give the United Way. Back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell, Mm. wait wait a moment. I untie the gag. Well, the little mermaid, thanks. What are you doing here anyway? I came to talk about Morgan, Mr. Mitchell. Oh? I am Anna. I'm his girlfriend. This comes as no great surprise, Anna. I'm worried about him. Is he in some kind of trouble? He sure will be if Sutherland gets to him. Oh, I do not understand. Come on, untie me, and I'll fill you in on the way to the waterfront. Hey, there's the boat. It is getting ready to shove off. Two men on there. One of them must be the lieutenant. The other is Sutherland. Sutherland's pulled a gun. Lieutenant, watch out! Uh, He's it! Steve! Sutherland dove in. Can you see him anywhere? No. It's too dark. No telling where he is. Are you okay, Lieutenant? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? Steve Mitchell. Mitchell? But I thought... This other guy was impersonating me. Where'd they get you? In the shoulder? Yeah, it is not bad. Bad enough to keep you from doing any swimming. That's a cinch. I will go with you, Steve. You? Of course. I know every foot of that island. It is a long swim. Steve has seen me swim. Okay, Anna. Looks like there's no time to do anything else. Let's shove off, Lieutenant. as close to the island as we had better go with the boat. How far offshore are we? A little less than a mile. You both have your swim fins on, oxygen bottles in place, face masks. Right. All right, you can swim on the surface until you get within a quarter of a mile of the beach. Then you should go underwater the rest of the way. You will have plenty of oxygen to take you in. Okay. We can swim underwater into a lagoon very near Morgan's plantation. Good. As to your escape plan, you will have only two hours ashore. A small corporate trader will pick you up at this point. A schooner which actually is an Indonesian patrol boat. Two hours. Well, here goes. We 
we swim as quietly as we can for a few minutes. Then about a quarter of a mile offshore, we rig up the tubes from our oxygen bottles and go underwater. Anna leads the way. And if I had any doubts about her swimming ability, they're gone now. My only problem is keeping up with her. We slip past a reef and through a small channel into an inlet. Another minute and she heads for the surface I follow. There we are, in the center of a tiny lagoon. We swim to the shore, climb out, take off our oxygen bottles and swim fins and hide them in the underbrush. There. Come. The plantation is half a mile straight ahead. Okay. What was it? Could be a bird, or it could be a signal. Hey, get down. Over there, in the moonlight. Gorillas. Dozens of them. Bulls and arrows. Here they come. They're gone. Let's get out of here. Good. The light is on. He must be here. Anna. Hello, Morgan. What are you doing here? Who's this? This is Steve Mitchell. I brought him to see you. Mitchell? You take a lot of convincing, fella. Didn't you get my answer to your note? Yeah, I got it, Morgan. You're right. I do take a lot of convincing. I guess you do, too. You're wasting your time, Mitchell. Look, you're the only one who can identify Sutherland as the boy behind all this gun running out here. So what? Morgan, Steve has come a long way. Look, so you're bitter. I can't say I blame you, but... Sure, I'm bitter. And that's not all. I'm happy here, Mitchell. Now, why should I bother with anything else? You're a little paradise, huh? That's right. Some paradise with a small-scale war going on around you. They'll settle it. Sure, for a while, but it'll blow up again. Yeah? As long as there are guys like Sutherland on the loose, selling guns, stirring up the natives to fight instead of letting them settle their problems peacefully. There's never going to be any peace in any of these places while rats like Sutherland are floating around. You, uh, through with the speech? Yeah. Okay, I'll take you back to the beach. Don't bother. You probably wouldn't make it alone if the natives know you're here. I'm the only guy they let alone. I guess that's because I leave them alone. It's a pretty good rule to follow, Mitchell. You ready? So the three of us head back to the spot where Anna and I had ditched our swim equipment. We pick it up and start for the beach. I don't want to admit I'm licked yet, but it doesn't look like there's much more I can do or say. I don't know whether anything I've already said has gotten through to Morgan or not. If so, he gives no sign of it. Then suddenly a bunch of gorillas looms up ahead of us on the trail. Anna and I freeze. Morgan stops us and steps up ahead. When the gorillas see him, they move aside and we pass by. They stare at us, sullen, suspicious. Two minutes later, we pass another group. Same story. Look at them. Look at their faces. Don't worry. You're all right as long as they see me with you. I don't think that's what's worrying Anna Morgan. No. I recognize some of these people. I know how they used to be, smiling and happy. Remember the festivals, Morgan? So? No more festivals. No more music. Well, could be a lot worse, I guess. What do you mean? They've only got bows and arrows now. Ought to be a lot more exciting when they get guns. The surf looks quiet tonight. 
You shouldn't have any trouble getting through it. There's the corporate out there waiting for us. Is that your schooner, Anna? No, it's an Indonesian patrol boat. They told us it would be along to pick us up. Morgan, if you would only... It's about a mile out to that boat, looks like. So? So you think I can make it without swim fins? Morgan. Yeah. You win, Mitchell. No. I kind of think you just did... wade out through the surf and start swimming. They spot us from the boat and move in closer. Pretty soon we're alongside. A husky native hauls us aboard one by one. Anna takes one look at him and sidles up to me. Steve, hmm? here's the one who was trying to find Morgan the other day. Sutherland Stooge? That's right, Mitchell. What? Sutherland? Yeah. Stand real still, all of you. As you can see, I got a tummy gun. My boy Baru there is real handy with his knife, and those three in the bow are no sissies either. Okay, you've proved your point, Sutherland. Now what? Now we get out of here nice and quiet before the real patrol boat shows up. Then I get all three of you out of my hair, once and for all. I do, it's got to be fast. Then I get an idea. It all hinges on the fact that Sutherland doesn't want to make any noise and probably won't risk a shot. I hope. Suddenly I dive toward him. Sure enough, he swings the barrel of the Tommy gun down at my head. I'm expecting it, so I roll with it. As it catches me behind the ear, I fall to the deck and roll onto my back, pretending to be out. Okay, Baru. Finish him off with your knife. The native comes at me with his knife. Just what I want. My legs are doubled up. When he gets close, I lash out, and one of my swim fins slaps him across the face and knocks him back toward the and then it's... First catches Baru full in the back. I dive for Sutherland's legs before he can shoot again. He hits the deck hard. Morgan grabs the Tommy gun out of his hand, swings it toward the three natives in the bow. All right, just stay where you are, fellas, and don't get any ideas. Steve, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, it's more than we can say for Baru, I guess. Hey, take a look over there. Patrol boat. Good. They can put Sutherland and his boys on ice for us. You know, you're a pretty handy lad with those swim fins, Mitchell. Yeah, but there's one thing I don't understand. Oh, what's that? Well, usually when you slip a guy a fin, the least he can do is say thanks, but not Baru. You know, I don't think he liked it a bit. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Tuesday evenings are filled with top comedy entertainment on the NBC radio network, and I'd like to take a moment to remind you about our Tuesday night programs. Red Skelton, that zany clown of clowns, makes Tuesday his stopping-off place for great comedy entertainment. We know you'll enjoy the wonderful characterizations of this top radio comedian when you listen each Tuesday on the NBC station in your own area. And, of course, Tuesday wouldn't be complete without two lovable, laughable comedy teams, Fibber McGee and Molly and Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. With Martin and Lewis, it's mirth and madness from start to finish. Then, from 79 Wistful Vista, Fibber and Molly entertain for 30 chuckling good minutes of comedy listening. And a new show on your Tuesday calendar, Two for the Money, proves that there's a lot of laughs to be had when you make it a weekly date with the Tuesday night comedy lineup on the NBC radio network. Check your local newspaper for the time of broadcast of all these great shows and tune them in on your favorite NBC station, next Tuesday evening.
Next week, I parachute into the jungle, right into the barrel of a gun. That will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Included in tonight's cast were Dan Riss, Betty Lou Gerson, Paul Duboff, Jack Moyles, and Stacey Harris. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with my getting shot at. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, I want you to drop in on a group of butterfly chasers. I think the word is lepidopterist, but I wouldn't bet on it. Go to the head of the class. At the moment, they're somewhere in the jungles of Brazil, south of the Amazon. Now, when I say I want you to drop in on them... You mean just that, huh? I parachute? Okay, Commissioner, what's it all about? Recently, Steve, there was a meeting in Rio between U.S. representatives and diplomats from several Latin American countries. Important decisions were reached, commitments made, and agreements signed. A copy of that agreement was dispatched to the United States by courier, but had never arrived in Washington. The plane in which the courier was riding crashed in a remote area of the Brazilian coast. All hands lost? Yes. Our investigators checked the region, but can learn little from either the natives or the group of butterfly people who happened to be in the area at the time. So we assume that the courier and the document has been lost. We were wrong, Steve. We've just learned from contacts in Brazil that the document has been put up for sale at the city of Belém. What? And here's the joker, Steve. Delivery guaranteed as of the first of next month. What does that suggest to you? Well, the document is on its way there and... Hey, wait a minute. The butterfly chasers. Right. They're scheduled to arrive in Belém just about that time. My hunch is that someone in that group has the document. Get down there, Steve. It's vitally important we recover that document. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Before we bring you tonight's Dangerous Assignment adventure, let me tell you about tomorrow's fine comedy on the NBC Radio Network. Yes, tomorrow you will hear The Bob Hope Show and Fibber McGee and Molly 
and Eddie Cantor will bring you his show business show. There's always entertainment when Fibber and Molly open wide the doors at 79 Wistful Vista. And tomorrow, from Palm Springs, California, Bob Hope will have Bing Crosby, Marilyn Maxwell, and Charlie Farrell as his special guests. And Eddie Cantor's show business show will present a program of Italian entertainers. Bob Hope, Fibber McGee and Molly, Eddie Cantor. Yes, hear all three tomorrow on NBC. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get down to South America, catch up to a group of butterfly chasers somewhere in the jungle of Brazil and find out which member of the party is carrying a highly confidential document belonging to the United States. It's a hunk of political dynamite, and we want it back before it's sold to the highest bidder. It's early Friday evening when my plane lands in Belém. Captain Arcata of the local law hustles me into another plane, and a few minutes later, we're airborne, heading west over the jungle. Emmanuel, contact when you reach your destination, Senor Mitchell, is Sergeant Romero. I sent him out to pick up the trail of the group two days ago. Where are they now, Captain? The last radio report I received from Romero a few hours before your arrival had the group camped at this point on the map, almost directly under us. You mean we're there already? We are. Come, I will assist you. Yeah. There's a little matter of slipping into a parachute. Rule number one, Captain. When about to make a parachute jump, don't forget the parachute. Uh, here we are, senor. <laughs> Thanks. There is a bright moon. That will help. I just assumed it wasn't so bright, Captain. Too easy for someone on the ground to spot the parachute. See, of course. Which means I'll have to drop a long way down as far as I dare before I open the chute. Uh, the pilot is motioning to us, senor. Okay. What's our altitude? His instructions were 5,000 feet. Right. No circling. We don't want to attract too much attention. See? One pass over the area, and I bail out. See? Okay, Captain. Open her up. It doesn't take long to eat up 5,000 feet of space, especially when you drop most of the way with the chute closed. When my count runs out, I pull the cord, then... A jarring jolt with the chute open. Slide slowly down, straight toward the river. I yank at the shrouds to change direction. So I miss the river, but I land on the top branches of a tree. Next thing I know, I'm dangling at the end of the chute some 15 feet above the ground. That's when it happens. First slug whistles past my ear. Next one chips a hunk of tree trunk. This is no place for me. I unfasten the harness and drop to the ground. I start crawling on my hands and knees toward the river, and then suddenly I freeze. Someone's coming up on the double. I wait. Then as he goes by, I reach out and grab him. Hold him, Buster. I'll take that gun. No, wait, 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 wait. You are the American, Mitchell. Yeah, big surprise. Oh, no, 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 senor. I am Sergeant Romero, the captain told you. Romero, you? Yes, of course. I'll show you my identification here. I have it in my pocket. I'll reach for it if you don't mind. This says you're Sergeant Romero, all right. Get down. That shot, it came from that direction, senor. From the river. Yeah. You see someone? No, he's probably cut back into the jungle. Oh, see, see. How far are they camped from here? Oh, several miles down the river, near a small village. Come, senor, I have a boat hidden nearby. It is not far from here, senor Mitchell. Just around the bend. How many of them are there in camp, Romero? There are four. The leader, the one with gray hair, is Dr. Stanhope. And there are two assistants. One is called Hodges, and the other is Williams. And then, 
There is the doctor's wife. Wife? She, very young, very beautiful, senor. Ah, there it is, senor. They're clearing near the riverbank. Yeah, looks like someone sitting at a campfire alone. I think that it... See, that it's Dr. Stample. Now, let's pull in the shore here, Romero. You better stay right here, out of sight for the time being. Stick with the boat and keep your eyes open. I'll be back. See. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Welcome. This the Stanhope camp by any chance? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Natives up the river mentioned that you were in the region. My name's Mitchell. Oh, I'm Dr. Stanhope. How do you do? Uh, sit down, won't you? Thanks. Don't mind if I do. Had a hard journey? Yeah. You'd think after being in this jungle for over a month, I'd get used to these hikes, but... Hello. On a holiday, are you? Well, sort of. I'm soaking up some local color doing a book. Oh, really? I envy you. I always wanted to write, but never seemed to find the time. My work and all. Work? What sort of... Research. Butterfly chasers, as you might call it. Oh. Traveling alone, Mr. Mitchell? No, my camp's not very far away. Oh. Going to be in the region for a while? It depends. I... Oh, that's my wife. Hello, darling. Have a nice stroll? Yes, dear. Very nice. Sweet, this is Mr. Mitchell. How do you do, senor? Mrs. Stanhope? Mr. Mitchell's a writer. Soaking up a little local color, as he puts it. A writer? How interesting. Uh, by the way, darling, have you seen anything of Hodges? Hodges? Well, no. Well, I thought he might possibly be in the village. Well, I, I didn't go to the village. Oh. Haven't seen him for hours. Wonder what's happened to him. Well, he's probably with Williams. No. Jim came back to camp a few minutes ago and went out looking for him. Well, don't worry, darling. He'll turn up. Now, if you don't mind, I think I'll go to my tent. I'm, I'm rather tired. Of course, my dear. Good night, Senor Mitchell. Good night, Miss Stanhope. Well, Doctor, I think I'll be moving along, too. Oh, must you really? I thought we might chat a little. Ah, plenty of time for that in the morning. That is, unless you'll be pulling out. Yes, we had planned on leaving early. Might join forces with you. Tag along, if you don't mind. I'm headed for Belém. You? We're also headed that way, Mr. Mitchell. Of course, you're welcome to join us. However, we sort of poke along, you know. We're in no hurry. And... Well, neither am I, Doctor. I'm in no hurry at all. Uh, night. Romero. Romero. Well, I've met 50% of the troop, doctor and his wife... Williams wasn't around, and Hodges hasn't been seen for hours. I don't like that, Romero. Hodges could have taken a powder. I do not think so, senor. What? Look, there, on the riverbank. Hey. I pulled the body out of the river a few minutes ago. That is the man called Hodges. In just a moment, Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment. We now bring you an important announcement for all Americans, particularly those of you who run your own business or are in a position to hire employees. This country is now engaged in a gigantic defense program which must be kept on schedule. There's no time to lose. To win, we've got to use every ounce of strength, industrial strength, 
in this contest to protect ourselves and the free world. That means we've got to give jobs, productive jobs, to all Americans. We've got to hire the handicapped. Thousands of handicapped persons, veterans and non-veterans alike, are ready, willing, and able to work. Thousands of others have proved on the job that when they're properly placed, they do every bit as good a job as their able-bodied fellow workers. So, Mr. Employer, give these folks a chance to help you increase your productive capacity. Hire the handicapped. Help them. Help your business. Help America. And now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. You're sure this dead guy is Hodges, remember? Oh, see. His papers were in his pocket. He was struck on the head. Yeah. So one of Dr. Stanhope's assistants gets himself knocked off. I wonder if Hodges was the one who was carrying the document. In that case, whoever killed him now has it. Or maybe Hodges knew who has it. Uh. Let's see. While I was talking to Dr. Stanhope, his wife returned to camp. She said she'd been out for a walk. Then she had an opportunity to kill him. Yeah. Also, the other assistant, Williams, who was supposed to be out looking for Hodges. And he also had opportunity. And there's Dr. Stanhope himself. How do you mean? That left him alone in camp. He could have slipped out here in the brush and killed Hodges. Ah, you are right. Better keep undercover, Romero. I'm going over to Stanhope's camp and break the news to them. assistant is there. I tell them I've stumbled across Hodge's body and they're all properly shocked. We troop back to the riverbank so they can have a look at it. A thing like this is hard to believe, Mitchell. Pretty good friend of yours, huh, William? Yes, you're the best. It's dreadful. Perfectly dreadful. Poor Hodges. Such a brilliant career suddenly cut off by a horrible accident like this. Accident? Of course. You see, Hodges couldn't swim. He was wandering along those rocks on the riverbank looking for specimens. Obviously, he fell and struck his head and rolled into the water. Isn't that what you'd make of it, Mr. Mitchell? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Williams, what do you think? Uh, Dr. Stanhope's right about Hodges not being able to swim. Beyond that, I wouldn't know. I'm no detective. Uh, this poses a problem. Hodges' body will have to be taken to Bel Air, our destination. Somebody should accompany the body, I suppose. As leader of the group, it should be myself. I disagree, Dr. Stanhope. Why, Williams? Well, this expedition means a lot to you. I think you should continue your research. I'll take the body to Berlin. No. Uh, no, I'm afraid I can't permit you to go, Williams. If I'm to continue my research, I certainly need your help. All right, you're the boss. In that case, perhaps I should go. You? I'm not needed here. Well, that's a pretty disagreeable job for a woman, Mrs. Stanhope, and a little dangerous traveling through the jungles like this. Yes, I quite agree with you, Mr. Mitchell. Uh, if I could make a suggestion... Oh, yes, by all means. There's nothing any of you can do for Hodges now. Why not let the natives take his body in? Mm. Well, I suppose that would be the practical solution. Yes, I'll have two bearers carry it to the village. If you like, I'll stay here with the body until you send them. Oh, that's very kind of you. It'll only be a few minutes. Come along, my dear. Very well. Good night, Mr. Mitchell. Good night, Mrs. Stanhope. Thanks, Mitchell. Sure. See you later, William. Romero. See. Si. Right here, Mitchell. You uh, 
care what went on. Oh, indeed. I was getting a little worried that one of them was going to get away from me. See, see. And uh, what is your plan now? We move in closer and keep an eye on them the rest of the night. After the natives pick up Hodge's body, Romero and I settle down in the underbrush where we can watch Stanhope's camp. I take the first watch and wake Romero at midnight. Everything's quiet in the camp. Their fire's gone out. I doze off. The moon is setting when I open my eyes again. I look at my watch and realize I've been asleep a couple of hours. I roll over and look toward Romero. Then I sit up fast. Romero's gone. I scramble to my feet and head toward Stanhope's camp. And I get my second surprise. Camp is dismantled. Everybody's gone. This is just great. I found along the trail around the bend, and there stretched out on the ground in front of me is a body. Romero. 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 Oh, Mitch. Here. What happened? Oh, I heard a noise from the camp. I came to investigate, and somebody slipped up behind me and hit me over the head. You couldn't see who it was? No, no. They've cleared out. They've got about a two-hour start on us. Gained on them substantially by now, Mitchell. Yeah. We've been traveling at a pretty good clip all morning. Get down. Yeah, we're getting close to them all right. Could you tell where that shot came from? Over there at the left somewhere, I think. Can you see anyone? No. The underbrush this thicket is not surprising. Whoever it was could be some distance away by now. Yeah, no. I hold it. What is it? Flash of white over there in the far edge of that clearing. Hey, it's Mrs. Stanhope. Ah, see, walking through the clearing. And now into the underbrush again. <laughs> what do you know? But she's not carrying a gun. She could have ditched it. She seemed to know where she's going. Probably to their new camp. Come on, we'll follow her. Yeah, there's their camp, all right. Mrs. Stanhope and Williams in front of the tent. I'll introduce you as my guide. All right. Well... Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> Surprised to see me, Mrs. Stanhope? Why, of course. Uh, this is my guide, Senor Romero. How do you do, Senor? Mr. Williams, Romero. Senor. How are you? Where's Dr. Stanhope? Oh, he's been down by the river all morning looking for specimens. I see. Say, uh, were you the ones who were doing the shooting a few minutes ago, Mitchell? Not exactly, Williams. Why? I was walking around when I heard a shot. I decided if a hunter was nearby, I should get back to camp. I see. Well, it's Mr. Mitchell. That's right, Dr. Stanhope. Were you doing any shooting a short while ago, Philip? Shooting? Why, no. I did hear the shot, though. Well, glad to have you with us again, Mr. Mitchell. Are you? Of course. Why? You sort of pulled up stakes all of a sudden last night. Did you forget you'd invited me to tag along with you to Bill M? By George, I did forget. <laughs> the excitement of Hodges' death and all that, you know. Oh, See, when Kara suggested we leave during the night, It I... was your idea then, Mrs. Stanhope. Oh, yes. The heat bothers me. It's cooler traveling at night. I see. We plan to rest here until dark and then resume our journey. Uh, would you like to accompany us? Yeah, I would, Dr. Stanhope, and this time I'll try to keep up with you. afternoon drags on. Towards sunset, Dr. Stanhope goes into his tent to rest up for the trip after dark. Williams is working with a few butterfly specimens. Mrs. Stanhope goes down by the river for his smoke. 
I tag along to keep an eye on her and leave Romero to watch things at the camp. She makes small talk for half an hour or so, and then we wander back. She heads for her husband's tent. I suppose I'd better wake Philip. It's just about cool enough to start now. Yeah. Hmm. Wonder where Romero is. Well, the camp does look a bit deserted, doesn't it? I don't see Williams either. Philip! <gasps> hey, there on the ground. It's Williams, un unconscious. Williams. Williams. Oh, oh he's all right. Oh. Mr. Mitchell, but look at my husband's cot. Yeah, some blankets rolled up to look like somebody's lying on it. And the back of the tent, it's, it's slit from top to bottom. I, I don't understand. I think I do. Williams. Oh, oh. oh Mitchell. What happened? I, I came in here to ask Dr. Stanhope something. As soon as I stepped inside, I got hit in the head. Knocked me to my knees. I saw Stanhope slash the wall of the tent and leave. Then I blacked out. Romero must be chasing him. I'll see you later. I take off from the back of Stanhope's tent and start crashing through the brush. Then, all of a sudden, I stop. Something which I noticed on the table in Stanhope's tent and didn't pay any attention to suddenly registers Stanhope's knife in its sheath. I double back fast. Sure enough, there's another trail leading through the brush in the opposite direction from Stanhope's tent. I follow it. I can hear somebody ahead of me, then the noise stops. I stop too, but not soon enough. He's in behind me with a gun. Don't move, Mitchell. Hello, Williams. You're a pretty smart boy. How'd you tumble to the fact that I was lying? You said Stanhope slashed the tent, but I remembered seeing his knife still inside, in its sheath. I doubt if he'd have used it and then replaced it. He'd have been in too big of a hurry. You staged the whole deal to take me off your trail and give you a head start. Bright boy. How'd you get Stanhope out of the way? It was simple. I told him you and Mrs. Stanhope had taken off together. He'd charged down along the river like a bull. With Romero after him. Pretty neat, Williams. I guess that makes you the boy with a document, but what about the dead guy, Hodges? Where'd he fit in? Well, it started out as a two-way split. I decided to change things. I see. Okay, Mitchell, we're still a little too close to the camp. Start walking. I push on ahead of Williams, knowing that as soon as we get far enough away to suit him, I'm a dead duck. Then I spot my chance. There's a branch of a tree sticking out in front of me. I push it back out of the way, and then suddenly I duck and let go of it. Oh! It hits him in the face and spoils his aim. I whirl the lash out with a lip. Thanks for the gun. Now, just stand still while I find that document. Yeah, here we are. Look, Mitchell, how about a deal? Sorry, you left all your cards back there on the table with Stanhope's knife. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Let me tell you about tomorrow's fine comedy on the NBC Radio Network. Yes, tomorrow you'll hear the Bob Hope Show and Fibber McGee and Molly, and Eddie Cantor will bring you his show business show. There's always entertainment when Fibber and Molly open wide the doors at 79 Wistful Vista, and Eddie Cantor's show business show will present a program of Italian entertainers. Fibber McGee and Molly, Eddie Cantor. Yes, hear all tomorrow on NBC. <laughs> Thank you.
Next week, Havana, a beautiful place to get killed. That will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon.